All right, it's Jeff Mayhew, it's John Beatty, it's Politics and Parenting, where we talk about politics, but we talk about it differently. John, how are you doing today? Jeff, as I said last week, and I'm going to say it again, the vacation is over. Um, <laughs> we're back in school, and uh, this is one like, you know, as the IT director, this is one of the busiest weeks, and I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm partly guilty uh, for this work because I got new copiers this year, so now everyone has to get it fixed on their computer. Uh, I changed the Wi-Fi password, so now everyone wants a Wi-Fi password. And then, you know, it's just, it's the summer. People forget stuff. And uh, teachers are no different, and uh, they forget their passwords and uh, how, how things work, and I'm responsible for that. So it's been, uh, it's, it's going to be a busy week for sure. Um, but I, uh, in the midst of all this this time and, and uh, tribulation of, of uh, doing your job, did you get a chance to watch the debate last week? The debate. There was a debate last week? Uh, uh, a, a local like congrat like a delegate debate or a state senate debate you know well you know it's for it's for local right delegates now. that go on to the national convention yeah no the the presidential camp debate there were oh, the presidential eight debate. eight of the nine what is it eight eight people out of the uh the 20 or so that are running and uh the uh the person who's leading in all the polls wasn't there so um that doesn't sound much like a like a debate wouldn't you say uh, it doesn't. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I didn't watch, John. I'm a bad citizen. Are you, though? It, well, OK, so <laughs> here we go. So uh, this is a, if it was a true debate, I'd say, yeah, you're probably a bad citizen. But as you and I know, um, when we ran for Congress, uh, the party likes to put on these sort of, um, you know, show. What would you, I want to say like uh, a dog. And, what is it? Dog and pony shows. And then they call it, it's a it's an absolute dog and pony show. And I remember. I remember my first one, and I remember getting the uh, the lecture from Gary, who runs our district, and be like, "Now remember, guys, don't say anything mean about the other candidates. We got to come off as one team. We got to be on the same page here." Those aren't his exact words or his voice, but it's just the voice that I decided to throw out there. Um, but he did say something very similar to that. It really struck me when I was running. Do you remember that? uh that was just the general vibe it was you know don't be mean to other people because hopefully they'll they'll vote for you in this ranked choice thing um but that would definitely you know we all got our the questions beforehand which was nice because you could prepare for them but then you know because you prepared for them you just you get the question you give your 30 second prepared remarks and then you move on to the next person and what what i kind of gathered and and um i think maybe some of the other candidate forms are much more like this but it was really it wasn't really talking about ideas per se, or sort of like, this is my perspective on it. It was kind of like, do, do I as the candidate check what the, uh, the, the base wants in terms of ideas? You know, am I saying, what is the, what's the biggest problem that faces America? Am I saying the ball, the border wall and election integrity? And, uh, you know, if I'm not saying that, am I a true Republican? Yeah, and it changes from election to election what you're supposed to right. say, right? And, and or like what boxes you're supposed to check. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I imagined, uh, I saw some clips of the debate and I know like Trump is the big central figure and, and January 6 is like where you stand on this kind of depends on like where you are in the party and whatnot. And again, it's just, it's just, you're just checking a box. Mm -hmm. And like, if you're a citizen at home and you're wondering like, man, I really wonder what these guys believe. I mean, they believe what they're told to believe. They, they believe, believe what you them. applaud, you know, mm -hmm. like that's what they believe they have. They are, I mean, at the end of the day, they're kind of. I hate the, you know, I don't know these people, but it's almost cowardly in a way to just say what people like 
what you think people want to hear. And then you keep on saying the things that they applaud to. I mean, if you're a leader, it's, it's so, it's not your job. Sometimes you have to say things that are hard. Sometimes you have to disagree with people. I mean, that is the point of the debate. And the fact that we have a system that discourages it, you know, notice all of the people on stage face the moderator, mm -hmm. right? And the, um, you're not really allowed that back and forth. It's like you said, it's here's the, here are the questions. Please prepare your answers in 30, 60, or a minute and 30 seconds. And which like, these are heavy questions. I remember at our, our, one of our debates, our debates, as I use air quotes, um, I got a question about, it was like, they were like, yes and no questions that like, we're not yes and no answers. Yes, that was my favorite one. It was like, this is a yes or no question. The question was 30 seconds and there was actually like two or three sub questions in there. And every <laughs> single candidate was kind of like, can I do like a yes, 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 no? What do you want? And I was just the stubborn guy that was like, hey, your question is not really good. <laughs> I didn't make any friends that day. Yes, you did. Didn't you meet Craig? Oh, that, you know what? You're dead on. That is That's the right. day that I met Craig. I met a great friend that day. I retract my statement. There we go. <laughs> we'll cut this out of the, we'll cut this out so we won't see that. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, like that's, that's what it, like these things are. And obviously I would assume that the, the candidates at the presidential debate last week didn't get the questions beforehand, but you know, you go into this with a certain idea of what people are talking about, what your campaign's all about, what's sort of the... Uh, what's going on in current events and what you're going to get asked. So, you know, a lot of these candidates spend a lot of time preparing for it. Um, but, but like what you kind of get is a lot of the same questions or there's sort of a stark divide on some of the more particular ones. And so you can appreciate that. And I would say like, you know, if someone honestly believes something holds it to their close to their principles, like I'm not going to fault them for saying something I might disagree with, but I think, that's where it gets where it gets to where it's not really a debate because as you said, like they're all facing the moderator. Like they're not really, you know, they kind of there's some crosstalk and they jib and jab at each other. And if you get mentioned, you get a chance to respond. But really, you're not talking about the ideas. It's sort of like, I'm gonna speak to the talking points that I know like my little group wants. They, you know, they want to hit this point, they want to hit that point and that point. And I'm gonna give it to them. Uh, you know, maybe I'll get some flack from from Twitter or something from uh from the woke media, maybe they won't like that, but I'd say would like generally like you're kind of, you're just sort of talking to what you know um, and you're not really trying to learn more. What you're trying to do is to um, signal to your tribe and your sub tribe and your, you know, tribe of tribes in terms of where you are and the, why they should still follow you, why other people should defect from their tribe and follow you. Um, and I, you know, I think that contrasts so much from probably like the Lincoln Douglas debates is one of the best examples we have in American history, but just the idea of like people just kind of having that conversation. And I know Jeff, that's one thing that you really wish candidates did more of, of sort of like off the cuff podcasts or sort of on the street interviews where you're talking with people and trying to answer questions and trying to hash things out and maybe kind of a, a situation where everyone kind of learns from it. Even if you yeah. come in with, with your ideas and you're not hundred percent convinced it's got you thinking and it's got you considering what might be else you you need to consider you need to bring into your argument or you know a, a valid point for someone else like when no one gets any any credit for saying like that was a valid point and um yeah i mean so that it makes me think of a couple things so uh i posted a, a plutarch quote that is very meaningful about this subject it says 
know how to listen, and you will profit even from those who talk badly. And I think, you know, talking to people inside the swamp, right, the, the politicians, you know, in all honesty, like, they really don't value regular citizens. Like, they just don't value them. Like, they nitpick them, they insult the way that they talk, and then, you know, the passion and all these different things, you know, they, they shide them, and then they go out and they ask them for their vote. And it's like, if you just listen to those people, like I'm reading, uh, I'm reading Calhoun's biography right now. And he had this very, uh, like, very strong relationship with his daughter. And he talks about how he really valued his daughter's opinion. And his daughter kind of like, is self deprecating in this moment saying, you know, you know, I don't know why he wants to listen to me. I'm an idiot, you know, essentially, she uses words that were more appropriate back then. But and he would say, you know, like, I don't think she understands her value. Like, she, maybe she doesn't talk the way that I talk and other people talk, but she has very intelligent things to say. And I think that's where our leaders lose. Because, because maybe they're not said intelligently, they're perceived as not intelligent, but they are intelligent. You know, maybe, maybe they're the wrong words. Maybe, you know, you're when you're writing your letter, you use the wrong there or or your, but it doesn't mean that the idea or the intent isn't correct. And I think people in charge kind of throw that away. And that's where you get this divide. Um, and, you know, back to the other point about the moderators, um, Troy Tevi, uh, Tevi, is it Tevi? Tevi Troy. Yeah, Tevi Troy. He wrote an article in the Washington Journal this week um, after the podcast. And he was, you know, he makes the argument that we should just get rid of the moderators, um, which I'm like, I'm all on board for. I mean, talk about like your politician should be a skilled conversationalist. Mm -hmm. They should be able to take somebody who disagrees with them, sit down, have a passionate conversation and walk them through where they should be. Bring them onto their side or at least make them understand enough not to be angry anymore. Maybe you still disagree, but at least you're not angry anymore. Like that's what a politician should be. And that should be with every regular citizen that they encounter who is frustrated because that's their job. That's their there's their representative. You know, and then, you know, they'll make the argument, oh, I can never reach all the people. And, you know, I make the argument of uncapping the house, making the group smaller, and so forth. But, you know, it should be done. And as far as you know, like what test, I mean, what, what does a president have to do? They have to sit down in a room with other very intelligent people and have conversations and then they have to win. So why do we not put them on stage and do that to each other? You know, why is there just like not nine chairs in a circle with nine people talking to each other? Now it sounds maybe it's, well, you never know what's going to happen, but the skilled leaders will come out of it. There has to be some rules and some decorum, but the skilled conversationalists will come out of it on top. And you'll learn so much more about the candidates than you will from these checklist questions that, let's face it, come on, everybody knows what these questions are before they go on. We constantly hear about how these questions are leaked to the candidates before the event, and we hear about it you know, six months later or a year later or whatever. It, it, you know, It's just the way that the system works. And yeah, as we talk, the system's a little spoiled. They're a little bratty. They kind of, they're entitled. They think they deserve everything. And it's just, it's not the case. They need to go out and earn it. Well, have you seen, um, sometimes they do the, the town hall presidential debates, which I think are more in line with that, where uh, <clears throat> the questions come from the, from the crowd, from 
actual citizens allegedly who knows maybe they're plants i mean um they, but, but they but, pick the citizens just like they pick the people in the room we know this in the events that we go to you know like they only invite you don't know about it you're not a regular citizen to get a chance you have to be in the inner circle to get one of those invites you just have to be in the email list i'm sure you know <laughs> and donate or something like that but I, you know i think that's a, that is a, an opportunity for more of a conversation but um part of the problem is like everything is televised and um you know maybe we just kind of accept that we can't televise at all and we we allow for something that's more long form conversational um i think a nine person conversation might get really messy and that might be like yield the yield the more shouting and stuff than um you know than a big it, well uh, no, it's like something about like the, there would be some merit to having nine people just kind of Look, shout if, at each other. Like it's it's like a Thanksgiving dinner, you know. It's just you throw you know, some bombs in there and and see where it goes. Yeah, I mean, I I can see that. I mean, if you have nine rational, thoughtful people on stage who are actually qualified to be president, um, then I think you can have a successful conversation. However, in the state of our republic, um, mm -hmm. we're not getting that. So maybe you're right. <laughs> but I mean. You know, like you break them up, do different like, okay, you have, you've got nine people put four. Honestly, if you did like a draft, off. like, yeah, you know, let's forget the poll numbers, forget the fundraising. Like what it was just like a draft. You take all 20, 29 candidates, 45 candidates. <laughs> you just, you do a little, um, you have like the Powerball kind of like a spinner going around. You just like candidate one, candidate two. And maybe the numbers are based on their, their polls or something. So like they know you you pick the numbers based on the polls and then like the candidates have to sort of like fit into those polls, you know? So there's some like jockeying, you know, maybe I don't want to be like number three in the polls. Maybe I want to be number four. Cause I know that's going to put me against someone else. Like there's some intrigue right there. And then. Yeah. Number. And so now like what now you're in it. the, it's like DeSantis, uh, Pence, uh, Christie and Vivek in like from the eight to nine o'clock hour. And mm -hmm. then from the nine to 10 o'clock hour, You've got uh, Hutchinson. Uh, I don't remember the candidate. Bergman. 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 We got to split these guys up because nobody yeah. knows their name. We got to put yeah. somebody heavyweight down here. Who's a heavyweighter that's left in the president presidential race that have a name? Uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't. He's not going to do a debate because he well, he wouldn't do. A but he would do a conversation, don't you think? Like honestly, he would show up because he knew he could upstage someone. He could just sort of talk over them. I don't think uh, he can upstage someone in an open conversation, like in an open conversation with four other people or three other people who really understand history and government. I think Trump is completely unmasked as unprepared. All they have to do is start asking him like legitimate questions about like procedures and history and laws and then just be quiet. You know, like he won't answer the question and then you just ask him the question over and over again. And like, there's no moderator there to stop you. Like mm -hmm. make him be silent. Cause at some point he's going to get to the point where he's like, look, I just don't know the answer. Okay. And it's not important. It's not important that I don't know the answer. I know everything else. I give it to you. I, I just don't, based on what I've seen the past uh, six years at this point, I don't think you do every quiet. <laughs> That's because the people on stage like don't understand that they're well, always, so, yeah, I guess they're that's always trying to like one up him in what he does. Like they're they're the Calhoun method, power with power. There's no ambition there. There's no patience there. It's it, nobody's like playing the long game to like let Trump, you know, hurt himself. They're just mm -hmm. they're he constantly hurts himself, and they bail him out with all their idiocy. Yeah. 
So anyway, if anyone's listening, well, people are listening, but this is our this is our plat our uh, this is our campaign pledge. We'll fix the debates. We'll do a, a ranked draft based on poll numbers. We'll pick the numbers Powerball style, so it'll be a lot of fun, a lot of enjoyment. Um, so that could be that that whole thing could be televised as well. So you know you get your ad dollars there, and then you just do a conversation or something, and maybe you all see poll spots for like where you are in the hours. I got a better idea. Okay, that's a great idea. And maybe we do that one, but I got another idea. Okay, so how about this? How about we do like a um, a March Madness style debate? Okay, so like on Monday night, it's DeSantis versus Vivek. Okay, and you rank them on their poll numbers. All right, so I don't know. They're, they're number four and five. I'm just throwing it out there, right? And then on Tuesday night, you're facing uh, Trump versus Bergman, you know, like, and then and then the winners <laughs> play next, like debate next week, right? They run polls off of this and the winners debate next week. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I just, I mean, the problem is like, no one trusts the polls. And um, well, that's true. this is, this is a, the other problem with the, the post debate analysis, like, who actually wins the debate? Like, some people are like, oh, this person did really well. This person didn't do that well. But then if you ask probably 20 different pundits after the debate, who won it, who failed it, um, who gained the most, who gained the least, who had a strong showing in this respect, who's a strong showing in this, you get all these different answers. But then you sort of uh, compare that with poll numbers, with fundraising and stuff, and it's totally different. So You know who won the debate? Apparently DeSantis won the debate because his polls went no. up or something. Nope, he did not win the debate. And you know how, so the person that won the debate was Vivek. And you know how I know this? Oh, because everyone's talking about him. Well, and remember, I don't pay attention. Like I'm not, I mean, I'm on Twitter, but I'm not like on Twitter. I'm mm -hmm. like on Facebook and I'm not on Facebook. I'm not really paying attention to the national scene. However, I got a lot of text messages last week and people are like, hey, you, you watching the debate? And so I had a lot of conversations with people locally about the debate and it, all of them that I had conversations with thought Vivek was the guy. And and we're talking people that tend to lean maybe a little bit more on the liberal side that have gotten, you know, maybe they're like a, an ex-Democrat where the party has left them. Mm -hmm. And you've got like MAGA people that feel the same way, you know, and then and then even like just a lot of like the middle of the road friends that I, they're like, I really like this Vivek guy. He really gets it. Um, and, you know, my argument to them is like, he doesn't get it. It's a game. It's not real. You know, right. I get what you're saying. Like, I understand that he makes a compelling argument, but it's just the wrong argument and he should know better. And he's doing it for popularity to win power and all these things. And, you know, we have long discussions about it, but at the end of the day, like, again, the larger media at, you know, they don't really talk to regular people. They poll Correct. the people that they poll. They ask the people they want to ask questions. So like all of that stuff is make-believe. Like it's, it's just all, well, it's not make-believe. It's just, we live in a different world than they live. There's in. a, there's a sprinkling of fairy dust over it. It's like close enough to reality as people will believe it. But at the end of the day, it isn't quite a true picture of what you see and that's why the you know like that's polling error in a nutshell like you could ask 100 people and then you do your fancy statistics and you say like well of the 100 people you asked we can project this onto the entire population um but it's you know like there's going to be a lot of error in there because you you haven't asked everyone and that's just the the nature of uh polling and and all that stuff um 
but and and you're controlling who you ask correct yeah and, and so like my thing is is like when people come tell you it's different mm-hmm. and it's different because like if they're telling you they're telling somebody else which means whatever it was spread further than the other thing spread you know because it takes a lot for people to talk about politics nowadays like regular Absolutely. people do not want to talk about politics i mean we face this in our day-to-day struggle um and i you know i'm I'm extrapolating this across the nation and assuming that this is happening everywhere. <laughs> but honestly, and then people only talk about politics with you if they like trust you that uh, you're not going to, you know, that you'll keep it civil because they see how uncivil it is and they say yeah. like, well, I'm scared and not, I don't want that to happen to me. So um, no, it's, it's, it is this very small subset of people that will actually talk to you about stuff, but uh, what do they call it? The bias in uh, statistical surveys. If, if you're only getting a small sample that, um, isn't representative. So, yeah. So, but is that a, uh, look at your bookshelf as we're talking about this. Is that a new book you got by me? How the force can fix the world. That one right there. Yeah. So it's not new, but you know, our good friend Craig, which we mentioned earlier on the show, uh, Craig T. Stewart and I, we have a podcast called what the book. And, uh, this week we interviewed Stephen Kent, author of how to fix, how the force can fix the world. It was a great interview. Um, I think we're releasing that pod. It'll it'll be out by the time this pod is released. We're going to release it on Wednesday, the 30th, 30th. of August, because I don't know what day it is. Um, <laughs> it was a really good interview, man. Like, I, lo- I mean, Craig and Steven are two of my favorite people to talk to. Um, you are obviously included in that as well. And people know that I love to talk, you know? So if you get up in that top, like Jeff loves to talk to you list, it's, it's just fun, you know, and being able to sit down with both of them and talk about something that we all kind of enjoy star Wars and politics, you know, Mm -hmm. it was, it was, it was fun. It was really cool. Um, you'll have to check it out when it comes out. I think, like I said, Craig's releasing it tomorrow. No spoilers, but can the force fix the world? Yes. There you go. I guess we got to listen, listen more to find, listen and, find out and buy the book and, and read it. <laughs> Absolutely. Go buy the book. It is, you know, so, yeah, I mean, everybody that follows us kind of knows I love to read, right? I mentioned I'm reading the Calhoun. I love history. I love a story. I typically don't like to read a lot of like modern nonfiction political stuff. And that's because it just makes me so angry, to be honest with you. Uh, so I was at a meet and greet yesterday, and um, some guy was pushing a book. Not that he wrote, but that was kind of uh, pertinent to the facts. And I don't want to mention the book because I don't want to – I know the author, and he's a great guy. But um, he had the copy of it, and I, and I thought I might be in it just because of what the content was. Um, so I was kind of quickly scanning through it. But like, I know what you're talking about. Like The modern political book is just like heavy, heavy footnotes, and yeah. you just feel like everything has to be like super cited so they don't get – uh, uh, they don't get called a plagiarist, but like it, that just makes it so dry then because you're just basically like constantly citing stuff. So it's just a matter of like going from this citation to this citation to this citation. There's kind of like a a narrative woven around that, but it's just it's very can be very dry. And yeah. um, and this is not uh, that. This book is not dry. It's very thoughtful. It's well crafted. You feel like you're reading a story. It doesn't speak at you. It's talking with you. And it's uh it's an absolute great book. I I highly recommend it. And again, check out the podcast. What the book, man? <laughs> With two ad symbols. So it's uh easy easy to find on your local podcatcher. Yeah, absolutely. You gotta think differently out there. 
So, uh, so you, I think what you also were saying before we got on is that you uh, had a brake issue this past weekend, and uh, oh, you still, do you still have wheels now? So, in the last couple of weeks, my my one car's engine died, my washing machine broke, my lawnmower broke, and the brakes went out on my van on Sunday after church. I'm like living an Oliver Anthony song right now. That's what I'm about know? to say. Like that's you got a country song right there. You just need like uh, your. So, but it, you know, I, I talk about a lot. I, I'm I'm neighbors with my brother and his wife uh, and two daughters, and then down the street is my dad. And I'm lucky that both of both my brother and my dad are mechanics. So uh, the brakes go out. My wife texts my dad, and my and he's like, "Well, I just replaced the caliber less than a year ago. We should check that." You know, maybe it went bad and then we can get it, you know, it's under, it's probably under warranty. You can get a new one. No big deal. Sure enough. That's exactly what the problem was. Um, I went, my wife and I went and took the old I like, I like that. So like, I appreciate when, when I can diagnose a computer problem over the phone, but like diagnosing a mechanical problem where you just kind of like the brakes don't work and they're like, oh yeah, it's probably the caliper. And then that's amazing. That's, <laughs> that's true, true talent right there. <laughs> and so I, uh, my brother takes our van on Sunday or Monday, Sunday. He takes the he he takes the old caliber off, diagnoses the problem officially. We take it back to the store. We get the new caliber. Now, unfortunately, we still got to buy new brake pads and new hoses because the mm-hmm. caliber is under warranty. But the caliber going bad broke all the other parts, so we're still out Oof. of pocket a little bit of money. Now, typically, if you're a regular person and you don't have a brother or a family member that's a mechanic, you're taking it to a shop and you're paying a lot of money for that labor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my brother. Not only does he fix it for us, he texts me and he's like, hey, can you send Oliver over here? And Oliver's 13. So I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So he teaches Oliver how to do this. Now, I mean, we talk about parenting a lot. And like your job as a parent is to teach your kid life skills, to be prepared for life. But as a parent, you can't, like no person knows everything. And while I have two mechanics in the in the family and I was taught a lot of mechanical things growing up, it isn't something that I've divested a lot of my time into. So I'm not the best person to teach Oliver this stuff. And it's really nice that we've got family close and they have a passion for sharing that information, sharing that ability to teach with my children, you know. And I hope to one day be able to repay my brother and teaching one of his daughters something that maybe isn't one of his strengths, you know, because that's how you build like a stronger family unit. It's how you build a stronger individual is just by like working together and mm-hmm. being okay with what you're good at, being okay with what you're not good at and and asking for help with those things that you're not good at, you know? Yeah, no, one of the, the fondest memories I have growing up, it was just um my dad would build these jungle gyms for us so he bought built one when we lived at a house in maryland uh but he he made the decision i think it was a prudent decision to put all the the footers in the ground with concrete so it didn't move with us um and i was probably like six or seven at the time when he was he was building this but it's just fun to like be next to him as he's cutting the wood and stuff and you know we kind of like help by picking up the scraps and getting them out of the way um but then when i was uh 13 and we were at a different house and he was building a brand new jungle gym set. Like it was just a, a phenomenal time to work with him, see him kind of like perform the service for our family. Uh, and uh, I learned a little bit of woodworking and that's, you know, enough to be dangerous that, and it, you know, it helps you as a homeowner. It helps you um, as you build your own things for your kids. And so it, it is, it is really nice to be able to 
uh, you know, if you can't do it, but like to, to show your kids how to um, just be practical with your hands. And he did the same thing with car maintenance, you know, with a big family and he was just a working on a government civil service salary. So he was uh, very handy, um, a lot of self-taught mechanic stuff. So, you know, he did a lot of his own breaks uh, and it wasn't uncommon for some Saturday to just be like the whole day working on the car. Um, if it was, uh, I think the worst things, well, the most difficult things were the um, suspension. Uh, and I couldn't even tell you what parts they were, but like the springs and uh, struts and springs, that's what it is. Um, like, cause that's like a, that's a lot of parts that have to come out and you kind of like, you get deep into the wheel well. And, you know, he would just roll up his sleeves and do it. And we, um, we'd kind of watch him help a little bit. And then when he get frustrated, we'd sort of like scurry away. Cause we knew it'd be better <laughs> maybe not to be in the picture at that point, but you know, you learn a lot, um, just by being around people as they work. And I think, you know, anytime we can get our kids that opportunity, you know, even if it's like helping out with dinner, uh, I think William was helping make dinner today. He had his apron on when I came home and he was looking for heavy cream in the fridge. Um, so, you know, just getting kids involved and getting them to buy in and to put some sweat equity into the family just helps all around. Yeah, I I was so happy yesterday because uh, Oliver and Julia made dinner with nobody asking them to make dinner. Wow. So like we, we've got this family wall app and uh, like we plan out the week. We do a, a menu every day has like the item that we're, we're making on there. And, um, you know, typically my wife or I have to go around, like we've, we've had the kids cooking for a while and been teaching them and I'll mm -hmm. typically be like, Hey, tonight's Wednesday. We're making this let's grab, you know, you get this part cooking and, and do this. Well, yesterday I was, I was working. Vanessa was, she was off doing something. I can't remember what it was, uh, work of some sort. And like I turned around and Oliver and Julia are making dinner. They went to the app, they figured out what dinner was, they pulled out the ingredients and they started cooking it. And I'm like, That's amazing. Oh my God. Like, what hat like, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, like just one thing I don't I mean, I'm sure lots of parents out there can relate. Like, just imagine like some your children, you know, if you if you're in that younger children phase and they're mm -hmm. very dependent on you just imagine to the point where you get home and they actually like do things to help that's a, that's a game changer as they it's, say it's it, it feels like a weight is lifted off of your shoulders you know it's like i don't have to think about dinner i tell mm -hmm. people all the time like you have no idea how much energy just goes into planning dinner every single day for the rest of our lives <laughs> And you throw on lunch and breakfast and lunch like, that's a lot. Breakfast. It's a lot. Oh, uh, no, no, just like, it's, it's amazing when you can get everyone involved in the family. Cause that just makes everyone's lives better. Um, and you know, and when you're, when you're growing up, having that sense of accomplishment is so, um, something you could just bring with you throughout your rest of your life. And that just, that, that confidence grows as you grow, you know, like it's, there's no, you know, sure. It's a little bit of extra work, you know, as you, and then you, you know, help out with the kitchen or something, but like, that's a, that's a valuable, valuable a lesson you can teach your children and a valuable um, skill that, that you're imparting on them that they will bring with them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I, um, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. No, it's a, no. <laughs> just kids helping out. It's good. We should encourage more of it. Yeah. I, uh, you know, like but so like kids help out when you give them 
you have to give you have to give them the opportunity. You got to give mm -hmm. them the tools. You have to give them the instructions, and you have to make them feel like valued. And you know what I layer that over to is I layer it over to our politics. Like we talked about earlier, people don't want to talk about politics. Right. Whose fault is that? That's our leaders' fault. They've they've made it so toxic. They've stripped away opportunity for everyone else. There's no value in helping out anymore. And like, you know, back to the analogy that we, you know, the started the podcast is politics and parenting. You know, governing is shaping society and parenting is shaping children. And our governing body is shaping us in a way that is not good. It's it's not an opportunity, it's not for opportunity, it's not for anything other than power. And mm -hmm. it's it's disappointing, you know, it really is. And we started the, the conversation out talking about the debates and how there really aren't debates. It's just it's it's BS, it's a lie, it's newspeak, it's it's all of the dystopian words that you can think of. Um, and we're living it and we just accept it. And you know, like people text me and they're like, Why did you, you know? did you watch the debate? And I'm like, no. And they're like, you have a podcast about politics. You're the, you're the one person in the community that's always talking about politics. You're not watching the debate. And I go, no, because it's not important and you shouldn't be watching either. Like that person doesn't know you. They don't care about mm -hmm. you and they're not going to do anything to help you. Um, you're, you're much better off spending your time in your community, finding your local leaders and having your voice heard. Like you have a better chance of getting something done that way. And the fact that we don't we devote so much time to the, the national, federal, corporate media, whatever you want to call it, and so little time in our communities finding the people that are running for office and holding them accountable. Because let's face it, we talk about it all the time. They live in a bubble. They don't know other people exist. You know, it's it's easy to blame them, but what about the the people the voters? What about the people that are just have given up and aren't trying to have their voice heard who are paying attention only to the national media and not to the local not that there is a local media but to the local politicians yeah and uh, you know honestly if something really important happened in the debate you would have heard about it so if you didn't watch it and we didn't watch it uh you know we got the highlights from from our uh being more plugged in than usual i'd say and that's all that mattered like it was what three hours and um, I think we we spent that time much better either with our uh, Madison Republicans leadership meeting and then just kind of probably getting to bed early or something like that. That's um, true. That's what we were doing. We were yeah. like we were working in a leadership meeting for our community, you know, like, hey, what are you going to do in the debate? Well, I'm going to keep doing the, the same thing I do every day, Pinky. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Stay focused. Don't get distracted. So speaking of, of getting involved locally, I think. Um, can't stop plugging it, but we got the Small Business Forum on uh, September 16th, Great Main Brewery, and uh, it's it's shaping up well. Oh, man, it's so good. I'm really excited for it, John. So we brought our friend uh, Leslie Salmon on board from Going Gainesville, and she's really – she's carried a lot of weight for us. It's always good when you – you inspire your community and you get help around you, you know. Mm -hmm. um, she's got some great new vendors for us. You know, we're going to have a photo booth there. Um, and they're donating the photo booth service for the whole event. So you can come in and get your, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know what your like mid twenties were like, but my mid twenties were a lot of 
going to my friends' weddings. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite things to do with my wife was just to go and take silly pictures. And, you know, when I started reading, the silly pictures of my friends' weddings were my bookmarks. Um, it, they just, they hold memories for me there. It's just a really cool thing that you get to do. Um, and they're donating it for, for the whole event. And that's really awesome. And, uh, we're going to have the floss King back. Um, and so I'm in tra- tactical trash pandas is coming back as well. So it's going to be a really great event. Uh, we're really excited for it. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. When is it? September 16th. Great main brewery. Haymarket, Virginia. 2 to 6 p.m. 2 to 6 p.m. We changed the time a little bit. Oh, and you know what? The other thing we forgot to mention is Patches of Earth is is doing $2 pork sandwiches. If you haven't had Patches of Earth, you're missing out. And this is your chance because now you can get it for only $2. Limit one per person. I know I sound like a commercial, but what do you want? <laughs> it is a commercial. We're plugging it. So It is a commercial. Uh, Everything is commercial. We're... we're, we're Looking forward to everyone being there. It's going to be, you know, the new and the new and improved small business showcase. And, um, and I heard the Dino is making his, uh, his reappearance. Yes, the flannel Dino will be, will only be doing one reading this time because he learned that doing a reading every half hour is a lot of work. <laughs> so the reading will be at four o'clock. We're really excited about that. Um, I actually have a friend, uh, who is is helping out with the flannel dino i'm not 100 percent sure if she will be there but it's always good to have a little bit of a different voice you know we get the male voice we get the feminine voice uh mm-hmm. in the in the reading to make sure that we're inspiring both boys and girls to read um so i'm really excited about that you know how much i i love the flannel dino here and and mm-hmm. getting kids to read well it'll be good we'll see you all there so all right. Well, that's good, John. Let's uh, let's close it up for today. So as John mentioned, we have the Small Business Showcase on September 16th. You can go to our Facebook page in RSVP. Remember, Patches of Earth will be doing $2 pork sandwiches. Limit one per person. You will have to register and get a ticket to get the sandwich. Um, we have uh, the What the Book podcast available on Spotify, along with our Thank You for Sharing podcast, also available on Spotify and Apple. We have a new episode out just today uh, from Cody Powell of Truvai Brewery. You know how much we love those breweries locally with great beer, and we talk about small business. So you go check it out today. Remember to like, comment, and share. And as always, peace and love.